there, everybody. Welcome to Up All Night and Are You Afraid of the Dark podcast. My name is Cortland, and with me today is a chameleon trapped in a lizard's body, Brandon. How you doing, Brandon? I'd like to think I'm more of a lizard trapped in a chameleon's, trapped in a human's body. Oh my goodness, so many levels. What a, what I know. a kooky episode that was. I'm a was. complicated fellow. Full of layers upon Tia and Tamara layers. It's crazy. So how are you doing, Brandon? I'm doing terrible, honestly. Tell me about it. What's wrong? I'll tell you why. All right, do. Because goddamn Cyberpunk 2077 was delayed again. Uh, I've seen something about that, but how long is it delayed now? Like two more months. Ah, uh, okay. So it could be worse, but also it's the worst thing Well, ever. if it makes you feel any better, Brandon, today The Last of Us 2 comes out and it's getting terrible reviews. Is it? Oh my god, yeah. Huh. So bad. Like, I think critic-wise, it's at like a 95 on Metacritic, but for oh, like player reviews, like reader it's like a 3 out of 10. Reviews. Okay, yeah. I expected that. Because, like, some plot details or, like, cutscenes, like, full cutscenes had leaked out before the game came out. Yeah. And people just hated it. I didn't look up what they were or what happened, obviously, because I'm going to play the game, but people were furious. So... Something in the story people don't like. Well, I unfortunately know what it is, but guess what? I don't fucking care. <laughs> like, that right. does not bother With, me whatsoever. Without spoiling it, do you think I would be furious? Uh, it depends. Do you love Ellie as much as I love Ellie? Like, she's the one of the best characters in video game history? She's alright. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> then I think you'll be fine. Alright, excellent. Well, how are you, Cortland? I'm doing alright. Get up to anything exciting this week? Um, I went up to my wife's cottage up north, uh, and that was, that was fine. That was nice. That sounds nice. I can't say I did anything fun, though. I had Dairy Queen there. Um, Ooh, Dairy Queen. Yeah. Very exciting. I love Dairy Queen. Hey, we don't have Dairy Queens here. That's exciting. Well, we don't have, we never had Dairy Queens in our hometown anyway, so anytime I can have Dairy Queen, I feel fancy as fuck. I'm yeah. like royalty at this point dipping my little plastic spoon in there and eating the ice cream like and you will be executed as i eat my blizzard it's amazing sounds good because that's what i do if i were royalty i would just execute people (laughs) well i guess be glad that you're not any kind of monarch (laughs) well they do say that like i come from royalty but (laughs) i don't know about that. hey like every royal family has to start somewhere right yeah just make yourself king, and then, you know, it goes on from there. What a great idea. I won't execute you, I think. <laughs> Whew. Oh, I was hoping that <laughs> setting you up as king would kind of make me safe. <laughs> well, Brandon, you want to talk about Are You Afraid of the Dark now? Yeah, enough video games. Let's talk about Are You Afraid of the Dark instead. Okay. All right. Let's do it. So, Brandon and I just got done watching The Tale of Prisoner's Past. What do you think about this Ron Oil masterpiece, Brandon? Uh, I thought this episode was a bit snoozeville. Oh, good. Me too. <laughs> Nothing happens. I know. I was, I was disappointed a bit. This story could probably be condensed down to about three minutes, and you'd get all the story beats. Yeah, that's what I thought, too, after I got done with it. The sentimental part of the story is alright. I don't hate it. I don't hate it, either. Um, The characters are kind of like... I mean, they're alright, but they don't seem... They didn't seem very convincing to me of what they were portrayed to be. With one of them being a nerd and the other being a jock, and I just didn't really get that. Well, one is definitely a nerd. (laughs) Well, one plays a nerd in everything that he was in, but... He's just the nerd. He just didn't convince me that he was a nerd in this episode. <laughs> he had glasses. What are you talking about? <laughs> what more do you need? <laughs> I will let you know when we get to it, I think. All right. Once we get into the story. But yeah, uh, did you notice that we had a few returning guests of Are You Afraid of the Dark in this episode? No. Uh, no, I didn't. I will, of course, let you know when we get to them. But yeah, this was just a solid, like, hmm, okay, this happened. It just washed over me. 
I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it. No. It's no Hungry Hounds or anything. Let's not get crazy. <laughs> no, but it's also no... Uh, it's no Old Man Corcoran. Cor- Corcoran. Corcoran. God damn it. <laughs> Fucking hate it. All right, well, enough beating around the bush. I think we should just talk about it. Just talk about the elephant in the room. Well, our episode opens up to Tucker and Kiki walking side by side. What's up with this? I don't know. Kiki's arms up over Tucker's shoulder like they're best buddies. Yeah. Like, they're not that close. Something going on here? I don't think so, but I don't know. Frank's gone and Kiki's like, oh, fuck, I guess I have to talk to Tucker now. Yeah. It's either Tucker or Stig. <laughs> like, <laughs> she's making the What's right What's wrong choice. with Betty Ann? No one wants to put their armor on Betty Ann. We hear Gary yell, Tucker, don't move. And the two stop, and Tucker says, uh-oh, and looks behind and then starts running to the campfire. And Gary quickly catches up to him. He's just like an Olympic runner. <laughs> and he and he yanks Tucker from his backpack, saying, I can't believe you blew me off. And we cut over to Kiki, who laughs, saying, what's with the paint, Picasso? Because Gary's got, like, paint all over his clothes. And back with Gary and Tucker, Gary says, Tucker was supposed to help me paint the den, but uh, he never showed. I didn't finish until 10 minutes ago. At 11.50? <laughs> I know, that's what I thought, too. Like, damn. Was his mom and dad, like, whipping him in the back? <laughs> yeah, and he's like, hey, mom and dad, isn't Tucker supposed to be here? Just paint faster. <laughs> <laughs> this den has to be done before midnight. <laughs> you missed that corner. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Tucker apologizes, saying that he got hung up, and Gary threatens him, saying that he'll hang him up on his feet. But Kiki breaks it up, saying, easy, boys, easy. Save it for home, because <laughs> there's no domestic violence allowed at the Midnight Society. No, it's sacred. And and then she pushes him along. We cut over to in front of the campfire, and Stig is wringing out his wet stocks. And Sam and Betty Ann are sitting by the campfire, too, and Betty Ann says, I hate it when I step in water. And back with Stig, he looks up saying, who says I stepped in water? And back with the girls, they both look at each other and say, ew, together. Yeah, because that's disgusting. Yeah, what the fuck? I'm assuming that's like trying to say that it's a sweat. Yeah, he's just got very moist feet. (sighs) And hair. All of them. Which is, yeah. From head to toe. He's gross. He's moist. Then they stand up because Gary, Tucker, and Kiki are making their way over. And Sam says, yes, absolutely. I can't wait. And Tucker stares at her with an open mouth. And Gary says, huh? Yeah, that's what I thought. And Betty Ann asks what happened to Gary because, like I said, his his clothes are all covered in paint. And Tucker's all, he'll tell you later. I want to start. I didn't understand. Like, at this point, I thought that she was, like, trying any excuse to get away from Stig. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. And after watching the whole episode, I still don't really get... Like, I get what she's going for, but why she said it that way. I don't know. She seems kind of desperate or something. Maybe Lava Palooza is the dopest shit. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Why is everything got to be a Palooza? I don't know. Sounds more exciting if it's a Palooza. What is a Palooza? I don't know, but our next podcast should be a Palooza. Oh, can it also be a fiasco? Nightman Palooza. <laughs> I don't want to talk about Paloozas anymore. <laughs> It's lost all meaning. Exactly. So the kids take their seats and Stig looks at Gary, who sighs, and he asks if he wants to wipe up. And he hands him his sock from earlier and Gary takes it saying thanks. And then he feels it, looks disgusted, and throws that shit back at Stig. Yeah, because it's disgusting. (laughs) Seriously, Stig is the worst. Come on. I know. It doesn't matter if that wasn't actually sweat. If he did step in a puddle and then gave his wet sock for him to wipe his face with, that's, uh, I mean, that's grounds for being kicked out of the Midnight Society in my book. You would think. I mean, if groping the girls isn't enough, then surely the wet sock. (laughs) No, no. Gary just, he's like, well, we gotta have our quota of members. It's the most important thing. We have to. Over with Tucker, he's sitting at the throne, and he says, My story is kind of fitting. It's about two brothers that don't get along for a lot of reasons. But oh, mostly... what a shock. <laughs> that thing every story's about. <laughs> but you know what, Tucker? You and Gary don't get along because you're an asshole. Not for a lot of reasons. Gary was perfect until Tucker came into the Midnight Society. 
After that happened, he became a jerk. It's because of Tucker. Well, Tucker just puts viruses on his computer and has his parents whip him to paint a den. Like, <laughs> oh, right, right. his life is miserable because of this kid. Well, Tucker continues saying, but mostly because they're so different from each other. And Gary looks over saying, is tonight nonfiction night? And Tucker says, and it's about trust. It's about knowing that when you're in trouble and your back's up to the wall, you got to have somebody to rely on. And it may be the one person that you least expect. And we look around at the kids, and for some reason, Betty Ann is just sitting on the ground. That's weird. Yeah. Anyway, Tucker says, submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society. I call the story... The Tale of Prisoner's Past. Okay, so his little introduction opener thing. Two brothers that don't get along for a lot of reasons. Mostly because they're different from each other. Okay, sure. This whole, like... You gotta have somebody you don't rely on's back or whatever. That's like one tiny part of the story. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's the main part, but it's still a tiny part. <laughs> it's a big part because only three things happen in this episode, but yeah. <laughs> well, our tale starts up and we see the silhouette of some prison bar doors and then someone steps through them. They have on old timey shoes and like a gown or something and they have a huge set of prison keys on their hand, and they're just huge. walking down the hallway of prison doors. It's comically giant. Big old set of novelty prison keys. Yeah, it's humongous. It's like a hula hoop with <laughs> keys on it. <laughs> yeah, it kind of is. We look up, and it's some girl with like some 1950s beehive-looking hair, and she walks through a Dutch angle. And then a light above her starts blinking and some buzzing starts up. And she looks off camera saying, the power! And she runs over to a shitty old phone. She picks up the receiver and she cranks a crank and she's yelling, Code Blue! Code Blue! We have a break! And all the cell doors open up and out scoops some mannequins in a prison attire. And then we zoom in on this little girl's face and she screams. What a cool way to start an episode. It was pretty nice, I guess. It's I didn't right understand. into action. I didn't really get what, like, time period they were going for, but... Yeah, I was excited that we'd have another, like, cool period episode oh, or, yeah. you know, oh, 50s. I get you. But, uh... I wouldn't mind with, that. As with everything in this episode, it's a fake out. <laughs> right, right. The girl puts the phone back down with a smile saying, And that's how it all began. October 19th, 1922. The Great Prison Revolt. And she walks back to the hallway and there looks to be just a bunch of kids behind her. And she's given a tour to some school kids. She tells the kids that now they'll have a 10 minute break so they can visit the souvenir stand. And then she'll take them to the Devil's Den where the murderers were housed. Is this a thing school kids do? It wasn't when we were in school. We also didn't have any abandoned prisons near us, I don't think. Hmm. No. But are are kids going out to Alcatraz for (laughs) third grade field trips? I could see that being a thing, honestly. So she walks by one of the mannequins and pushes it back into its cell and then keeps on walking. And we get some rockin' 90s music. And this big shot of the prison. And there's kids walking around everywhere, up a bunch of stairs and stuff. It looks pretty cool. Yeah, I'd go there. I would too. The souvenir shop has some shirts and shit in it. Uh, one with a donut with I am on it. I think it said something else, but I could not for the life of me figure out what it was. I don't know. We get a voiceover from Tucker saying Jason and Scott were complete opposites. Jason was president of the chess club. Small, smart, and kind of a loner. And Scott was the jock. Big, tough, and popular. They never had anything to do with each other. We keep switching back and forth between Jason at the souvenir shop and Scott. He's getting his picture taken. And one of those things that you put your face in the cardboard cutout, whatever. Does Tucker see himself as a Scott? He's telling the story. I thought the same thing. He's basing it on brothers. Is he like, oh, Gary's such a nerd and whatever. And I'm this cool, tough, popular guy. (laughs) Dude, I was trying to think of that myself. But, like, wouldn't he be Jason because he's smaller? I don't know. He's switching it in the story to be what he wants it to be. I thought I had to think about that too. I was like, which one does Tucker think he is? Like, he's definitely not Scott, so he has to be. Which one's the one who rides on people's backs like a monkey? (laughs) I loved that. (laughs) That was the best part of season four. (laughs) 
I don't know, man. Tucker's weird. <laughs> Tucker continues saying, until Jason's mother married Scott's father. Big trouble. Over with Jason, he's looking at two shirts deciding which to buy. And he says, well, I like the design on this one, but the colors on this one are really cool. And this one's really neat. And the employee says, so? And Jason says, um, that one. No, not that one. This one's better. But nah, this one's funnier. And up pops Scott, who says, excuse me, he'll take that one. I'll take this one. Thank you. And Jason's all, but I didn't get a chance to. But he's interrupted by the employee who doesn't give a fuck. And he says, that'll be $10, which is a great deal for two shirts. And Scott grabs the money out of Jason's hand, smiles at him, and grabs them each their shirt. I mean, do you really want a shirt from a prison anyway? Dude, it's got a donut in there with I am on it. I don't know what else it said, but it must have been awesome. I mean, donuts are good. All right, I'll give it to you. I could go for a donut right now. He goes to walk away, but Jason stops and saying, Hey, you owe me five bucks. And Scott turns around saying, Get lost. But Jason doesn't get lost. He says, Listen, Jock Itch, you stole half my room, and I'm not going to let you steal half my money, too. And Scott stops, and Jason bumps into his back, and he turns around and says, Well, I only have a $10 bill. Now, you're welcome to get it, if you like. And the camera pans out, and we see that he's got two of his buddies behind him now, and he waves a $10 bill in Jason's face. And Jason hesitates, and Scott says, I didn't think so. And he smiles to his buddies. Some guy calls out that the tours are starting again, and Jason grabs the 10 bucks and runs away into the prison. And Scott tells his buddies to cover for him, and he chases after his stepbrother. And that's the last you see of his buddies. They disappear <laughs> as if they were ghosts. <laughs> That's very true, yes. In fact, that's pretty much all of the characters. But, um, you know, okay, so this is my problem with the story. Jason is, as Tucker said, like a loner and he's kind of small, but he's smart. And just like you, you get this impression that he's like a pushover and he's not brave, but mm-hmm. he stands up to this, he stands, he stands up to Scott like at every turn. And he's the one that does everything in this episode. So, I don't understand. He's not physically strong, but... No, he he can... never stands down, though. Eh, he doesn't give up. He's a little guy. He knows he's got to fight for everything he has. Okay, you're describing Scrappy-Doo. I guess he is kind of Scrappy-Doo, isn't he's... he? Yeah. Maybe he is Tucker. Maybe he is Tucker. Alright, you want to meet these characters? Who plays yeah. them and all Who that? Who are these people? Who are these nobodies? Well, first up, we got Jason, who is played by the, in my opinion, immediately recognizable Christopher Castell. I mean, I didn't know yeah. him by name, but... But you know this kid. If you watched anything in the 90s... He was a, he was in big stuff in the 90s. Um, he always plays this geeky kid in all of his roles, including Mark Foster in Step by Step, Ted in Beethoven and Beethoven 2... And he did some. He did the voices of uh, Eugene from Hey Arnold as well. Really? Yeah, I don't. It wasn't the whole run of the show though, so I don't know if he was like the first Eugene or the second Eugene. Oh. But huh? Okay. Um, it it looks like he hasn't been in anything since Step by Step ended in 1998, though. Really? Yeah, that was really surprising to me too. Huh? He did write the book "Being You" is most definitely cool in 1996, though. Hmm. I will make sure not to read that. Same here, man. I bet you you can never even find a copy. Next up, we have Scott, who is played by somebody whose name I'm not going to be able to pronounce. Dan Petrana Hevick? Petrana Jevick? I'm not sure. But he's been in a lot more stuff, including playing McMurray in the Canadian show Letterkenny. Okay. I've seen one episode of that. That's more than I've seen. I hear it's a really funny show. That's why I watched one episode. Um, he also does a lot of voice work for cartoons like your favorite Brandon, Braceface, and Bakugan, oh, wow. and Total Drama Island show. So this guy's like a megastar. He does. He honestly does a lot of stuff, and uh, I kind of thought maybe you would have recognized him from something, but you know, you're Brandon, whatever. No, he's just should have been those like dudes. Should be like, hey, is that the voice of Braceface? <laughs> <laughs> he's not the little in the littlest hobo. I don't know him. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> The tour guide lady is played by Jennifer Seguin, who does a ton of voice work for cartoons, like playing Caillou's mom in Caillou. (laughs) She's also done voice work in The Outer Worlds, 
like we said, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, just came out for the Switch. And she's the voice of Animus in the Assassin's Creed games. She does voices in Pillars of Eternity 2, Thief, and Deus Ex. And on top of that, Brandon, she's been in Are You Afraid of the Dark before. As? Do you want me to tell you or do you want to guess? I can't guess. Okay. Well, she was Lucy from Season 1's The Tale of Jake and the Leprechaun. All right. I believe you. (laughs) You should. It's true. (laughs) All right. Let's go back to the show. We watch Scott slowly walk down some stairs, and at the bottom, he looks around, and he stops, and we cut over to another section of the prison, and now Scott's just running down a hallway, and he runs through a big spider web, and then he just, like, feebly attempts to brush it away, and it's actually really funny looking. (laughs) It's like he's dancing, and (laughs) it's really funny. Well, the gif for this episode's all set. I thought the same thing. (laughs) Jason pops up behind him and says, boo, gotcha. And Scott's all, you wish. Jason says that he jumped, so that means he got him. I scared the great tough one. And Jason smiles, and Scott grabs him and is about to punch him in the fucking face. But then he just flicks his head and says he's going to leave him down here. And then he walks away. And Jason looks up and around for a second and yells, wait up. And then chases after his stepbrother. And that's just one of many useless scenes. Yeah. Yeah. Useless scenes. The two kids walk down a hallway with jail cells and Jason looks over at a cell with a person inside and he says, whoa, and they stop. But Scott tells him, it's another dummy, dummy. And the guy in the cell says, I've been called a lot of names, but dummy ain't one of them. And this guy turns around and he's got an eye patch on. (laughs) He grabs the bars of his doors saying, most call me one-eyed Jack. And Jason calmly asks him what he's doing in that cell and if he's an actor. And one-eyed Jack says, actor? And he laughs a little. I made one mistake in life, brought back, and I'd done my time and more. And Scott rolls his eyes and sarcastically says, wow, that's cute. You sell t-shirts too? And Jack crouches down, getting all serious, saying, come here, open the door. And Jason's all, huh? And Jack says, the lever, right there. And Jason points at it, saying, this one? And Jack tells him, yeah, pull it. And Jason's like, maybe we shouldn't. But maybe it's part of the show? And Scott's rolling his head, all annoyed, and he says, give me a break. And he pulls the lever out and opens the door to Jack's cell. Jack screams out, freedom! And he laughs. Freedom! <laughs> then, his, then his cell fades to black and he disappears. And Scott looks around in the cell and he's saying, man, that was awesome. And Jason says that they should get out of here when from behind them pops Jack, who tells the kids to get in the cell. Which is creepy. Sure is. <laughs> Whether he's a ghost or not, that's creepy. Yeah, I thought the same thing. Scott asks how he did that, and Jack yells, Go in! So Jason tells him no thanks, and that they're out of there, and they try to walk away, but Jack teleports in front of them, telling the kids to get in that cell. <laughs> so Scott smiles Scott smiles widely, whispering to his brother, On the count of three, follow me. One, two, and Jason says three, and the boys run around Jack and out of the door, and they slam it behind them. They stop on the other side of the door, panting like they just ran a fucking marathon. And Scott is overacting the shit out of it. (laughs) He's like, he's just like, (gasps) like, dude, you ran like down a hallway. (laughs) Give me a break. This kid, it looks like he's never ran in his life. Isn't even (laughs) that out of breath. (laughs) Yeah. Never ran in his life and smokes like three packs of cigarette every other day. Like, (laughs) ugh. well. He says, Tell me that wasn't weird. And then a laser zap noise happens, and a yellow hand phases through the door, and it, like, grabs around and gropes Scott's chest, and the two boys scream and run away through a Dutch angle hallway. Jason's in the lead, and Scott reaches up, grabs Jason's head, pulls him back, and races ahead up the stairs. Why is the ghost arm yellow? I don't know. I wondered the same thing. Because when you just look at him normally, he's not yellow. I don't know, man. Because, like, it's kind of the same effect as in the tale of the room for rent with the blue ghost phasing through the walls. But Mm -hmm. he was blue. So. Yeah. This is yellow. It's totally different. Totally different. Different sound effect. Sounds like laser zaps. I don't know. He just wants to grope boys. Who knows? At the top of the stairs is some professor-looking guy who asks where they have been, and the two boys utter out that there's a ghost, like a guy, and he had an eye patch, and the guy tells the kids the bus is leaving now, with or without you, and then he walks away. And the brothers sigh, and Jason tries to go first, but Scott stops him and walks ahead, and the camera lingers on the stairwell for like a minute, (laughs) 
not that long, but and then it fades. It seems like it. It does, yeah. They're just trying to fill time. Now we're inside the boys' room, and Scott's laying on his bed reading a comic book or whatever, while Jason is pacing back and forth saying, maybe we should call the police, or maybe the prison officials, or the newspaper. Yeah. No, they'll think we're crazy. See, the police. But the, but the prison people should know. And the decor of this room is kind of outrageous. There is shit all over. It's so much stuff. The kangaroo sign like can't be ignored. It's... Mm- it's the yeah, focus. There's a sign with a kangaroo on it. I don't even remember what it said. Did you, did you see? It says kangaroos next 25 kilometers. <laughs> Why do they have that? I don't know. It's a sign you see here. But who gets that and puts that up on their wall? Nobody. Nobody would. Unless they really love kangaroos or something. Or they just want to like fuck with somebody and be like, oh, there's no kangaroos for 25 kilometers. Like, I don't know. They also have, like, a really old-looking computer with some stained glass thing above it. Three out of the five Olympic rings above Scott's bed. Um, That's all you need, baby. A chess set on a stand near Jason's bed, which I guess that makes sense because he's, like, you know, chess president or chess club, whatever. He does chess. He's a chess guy, but their bedroom sucks. Scott tells him, enough, okay, you're driving me crazy. And Jason tells him, that they should think about the options. But Scott says, you've only got two options. One, you shut up. Two, I shut you up. Choose. And Jason's like, all right, are you saying we should just forget about what we saw? And Scott says, I'll tell you what we saw. We saw some new exhibit, a movie, a hologram or something. Jason's like, you think? Scott asks if he thinks it was a ghost. And Jason says, yeah, that is kind of dumb, huh? The kids laugh a bit about it, and Scott says, yeah, you know what else is really dumb? And Jason, he's sitting down at this point. He says, no, what? And then his head gets grabbed, and he's pulled up out of his seat. And Scott tells him, never, ever take money from me. And he grabs his 10 bucks back as Jason rubs his neck, saying, ow. The scene transitions. We're looking outside the house, and it's nighttime. Inside, the kids are trying to sleep. Back outside, the camera first person moves up to the door of the house. Back inside the room, the kids are sleeping, and then outside the camera moves closer. Inside, we get closer to Jason, who's sleeping like a little angel, and the camera gets to the front door, and we hear like that phasing sound from before, which Jason yeah. also hears since his eyes open up, and he grabs his glasses. He gets up out of bed and walks over to the window to look outside. Then he turns around and opens up his bedroom door. He looks outside to the hallway. Then he closes it, and he says, Scott, you hear that noise? But Scott doesn't answer. So Jason looks around the room saying, Scott, Scott, stop fooling around. And he walks over to the closet door saying, I know you're in there. But a hand grabs his shoulder, which scares him. And it's Scott. And he's, he asks Scott what he's doing. And Scott says, getting some water. What are you doing? And Jason says he heard a noise and he thought it might be. And he looks over saying, did you open the window? But Scott says, nope. That was boring. Yeah, it really was. This is all boring. And I hate to say One that. One thing about this episode is it has, like, the first-person Evil Dead sort of, like, creeping camera thing. Yes. Yeah. But in this, it's, like, wobbly. Yeah, like he's drunk or something. Yeah. Because, like spoilers, drunk, he does this, ex- this exact same scene happens again later. Yeah, exactly the same. And it's just as boring the second time. <laughs> it is, yeah. Oh, man. So Jason, he walks over to the window saying, you know, I can't sleep with the wind blowing in. I'll get a cold. And he reaches to shut the window. And then an arm reaches inside from the window and it grabs him. And it's one-eyed Jack who yells, come back. Please come back. And the boys scream themselves into a commercial break. Why isn't his arm yellow now? Is it only when he actually phases through something? I think so. Why? Just the act of, like, going through something. Yellow fire. Excites the... (laughs) electrons in his arm and then it gives off a yellow glow i guess i don't know all right whatever back in the show jack's begging for them to come back while he's floating outside this window because they're on the second floor and he's still holding on to jason and at this point okay so scott finally gets him off and at this point i'm like but didn't he come in through the front door yeah he did did he come in through the front door this time or was is that next time he got to the front door So he got to the front door and he's like, nah, I think I'll just float to the second story. (laughs) Yeah, he goes to the front door and then it fades to black. It doesn't go through it at this point. Okay. But like he gets to the front door. So 
Yeah, why would he just jump up at that point? He doesn't know where they are. (sighs) Well, Jack floats down and away, and Scott slams the window closed. Mom and Dad bust into the door asking what the fuck is going on, and the kids are yelling, there was a ghost outside the window! And immediately, Mom and Dad don't believe that shit, because guess what? There are you afraid of the dark parents. Also, that's stupid. That there's a ghost out their window? Yeah. If I was the parents, I would be like, you fucking waking me up to tell me that there's a ghost out there okay. telling you to go back to the cell. You already let him out of the cell. What more does he want? Go to bed. If my son came in, like, if he was screaming up a storm and stuff, and I ran in there, and he's like, there's a ghost outside my window, I would at least, like, check it out. I wouldn't just immediately yeah. be like, God fucking damn it. Go to goddamn bed. Like, no. I would I would be concerned as a parent that there was somebody outside of their window, like, looking in at least. I mean, I know they're on the mm-hmm. second floor or whatever, but you can still climb windows and steal kids out of their damn rooms. I don't know. Yep. <laughs> I was watching Jurassic Park, The Lost World, not too long ago. And there's okay, the kid I'd love to hear like, how this oh, correlates. There's, <laughs> there's a T-Rex outside my window. And the oh, parents right, are right. like, like, oh, this is so stupid. But they go and check. Yeah. <laughs> Even though they know there ain't no goddamn T-Rex outside the window. I mean, there is, but they, <laughs> you wouldn't There think shouldn't so. be. I mean, they don't exist anymore. They're, it's reasonable for them to think that there isn't a T-Rex outside of their window. I'm getting more excited talking about the Lost World for this brief moment than this entire episode. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that part where that guy gets a snake? <laughs> On his oh. shirt, and he's like, oh, oh snake. no. And, and then, then he the T Rex slowly eats him. By a T-Rex. <laughs> slowly eats him. You chose wisely, dude. Priorities. Immediately, mom and dad don't believe that shit. And the kids are trying to tell him that they were at the prison today in class and basically recapping what happened in the episode, saying that it was a ghost. And mom tries to calm the kids down for a second, saying that that place freaked her out as a kid, too. But Jason says, all, no, it really happened. And dad turns around from the window, saying, no ghosts out here, unless it flew up a couple of stories. And Scott says, ha, that's exactly what it did. And Dad turns around again, looking at the kids, saying, aren't you guys a little too old to believe in the boogeyman? Which is not a very apparently thing to say, don't you think? No. Even uh, These kids are like 15 years old, but still. Aren't you kids too old for fears? <laughs> Scott tries to explain again what happened, but these, you know, these parents... They're just like, night boys, and they close the door behind them. In the room, Scott and Jason cross their arms, and Jason says, I didn't think the boogeyman had an age limit. And Scott shakes his head, saying, nobody's going to believe us. And he walks to the window, and Jason asks why it came here and why it's after him. Scott does this, you don't know. And Jason says, maybe it's trying to get us to take his place for all eternity. And Scott picks up a baseball bat and says, yeah, well, I know one thing. I'm not going anywhere without a fight. Now, if that thing comes back, are you with me, or are you going to wuss out? Jason's all, I'm no wuss. And Scott hands him a foam bat, because that's going to do a lot, saying, Yeah, he's yeah, going to we'll beat see. that ghost's ass. He is going to foam the hell out of that ghost. <laughs> he tells Jason that he's got first watch, and Jason looks down at the bat, then outside the window, and the scene fades. And I think it's time we meet a couple more uh, people this episode. All right. Who else is in it? Well, first off, we got One-Eyed Jack, who's played by Martin Newfield, who had some roles in the 80s and 90s, but not so much after that. Some of his roles include a couple of episodes of Friday the 13th, the series, and there's apparently a War of the Worlds TV series I didn't know existed, so pretty great. Hmm, okay. You ever seen the Friday the 13th series? Nope, never heard of it until just now. It has nothing to do with Jason. <laughs> Is it live action? It's live action. Animated? Okay. Uh, it's like, um, if I remember it right, there's like this shop that sells um, like cursed objects and they like accidentally sell all of their stuff. And then every episode is like these two uh, like young adults going and getting the cursed objects from people, I think. I've seen okay. like one episode. That's, I'm an expert. It's dumb. It has absolutely nothing to do with uh, Jason or Camp Crystal Lake or anything. I don't even know if it's even mentioned in the show. As for War of the Worlds TV series, I have no idea what that could be about. He also played a character named Dobbs in a movie called Nico the Unicorn, which is about an 11-year-old boy who struggles to cope with a disability when he finds a pony who gives birth to a unicorn, which he then takes care of. Hmm. Not sure that's how that works, but okay. I have a feeling that movie sucks. I don't know, just 
Just a feeling, you know? How much would it hurt to give birth to a unicorn? Hmm. Probably. Well, I mean, unless it comes I mean, horn that horn first. probably doesn't come out fully. It, it probably is just like a little teeny horn, right? I don't know. I never, I've never thought about if a unicorn comes out with a horn or if it grows later. Hmm. You know what? We should probably watch Nico the Unicorn and find out because I bet you they show it. It's the only way. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, real talk though. What's so special about a unicorn? All they got is a horn on a horse. It's not like they fly. Pegasuses are great. Yeah. Peg- Pegasuses, Pegasi, Pegasi are cool. Unicorns, I mean... I guess they probably have magic or whatever, but they're just a horse. Yeah. So a pony giving birth to a unicorn, is it really that weird, Brandon? The pony just waddled through some radioactive goo and boom. It's just a, some disgusting mutant horse. <laughs> Jason's mom is played by Julie Burroughs, who wasn't in much else. But Scott's dad was played by Frank Scorpion, which is the fucking coolest name. Whoa, that is a badass name. Yeah, S-C-H-O-R-P-I-O-N, Scorpion. (laughs) It's like you're saying Scorpion, but you're Sean Connery, so you're saying Scorpion. (laughs) Frank Scorpion. (laughs) That's awesome. Oh, he was in a lot of stuff, including playing Rachel's father in the 2019 Pet Cemetery remake. Oh, okay. I didn't see that movie, and nobody ever talked about it after it came out, so I wonder if it was good. <laughs> All the best movies people stop talking about. Well, it's like everybody was super excited for it, and then it came out, and then I heard nothing more about it, and I was just like, was it a good movie then? Hmm. I mean, let's be real. Nobody talks about Nico the Unicorn anymore. <laughs> It was the talk of the town, and then it came out. Nobody talked about it. Another masterpiece. He was also Dr. Keller in Arrival with Jeremy Renner and Forrest Whitaker, and he was in The Hummingbird Project with Jesse Eisenberg, Selma Hayek, and Alexander Skarsgård. Okay, so he was in things. He was in things with famous people. Was he in a famous role? I don't know. Never seen these movies. No, because you're not saying he was in Blah Blah with Frank Scorpion. (laughs) (laughs) yeah like rachel's mom i mean rachel's father probably not a big part but he was in it (laughs) frank scorpion (laughs) it's cool it's really cool Hey there, everybody. Cortland here, your good buddy and your one-eyed prison pal. Thank you so much for taking a listen to our show. Whether you're new or a longtime fan, we always appreciate you spending time with us. We've got a lot of stuff going on on our Instagram, so be sure to check it out and give us a follow. We post new content all the time, including handmade gifts and videos, memes, and so much more. Every Monday, we watch actual episodes of Are You Afraid of the Dark live, so be sure to join in on the fun. We're currently running our elimination-style tournament, voting for which episode is the best from Season 1. You'll also get any updated information on the show, such as when we run our giveaways. So check us out there at Private Island Presents, and on Twitter at PRVT Island. Our Patreon was recently updated and is much more accessible for everyone. With our tiers starting as low as $1 a month, it's the perfect time to join the Up All Night Patreon family. Visit patreon.com slash private island, check out our rewards for each tier, and join up today. We post new and exclusive content every few days. Once we get our 10th patron, I'll be doing a fun Patreon-only giveaway that you don't want to miss out on. I'd like to take a moment to thank our current patrons, including our newest Bronze Beth, Heather, the Silver Goths, Shane and Steven, and the Platinum Bostics, Bryce, Kathy, and Carly. Thank you so much, everyone. This podcast would not be the same without your support. Our Season 5 wrap-up episode is coming up quickly, and as always, we would love to read your stories and answer your questions. Do you have a question for me or Brandon about podcasting, about the show? We want to answer them. Send them to us through any of our social medias, or give us an email at privateislandpresents at gmail.com. For a link to all of our socials, the YouTube page, Facebook group, and so much more, check out the Linktree link in our episode description. Another way to help out our show is give us a 5-star review on Apple Podcasts and tell somebody about the show. 
A quick suggestion on Twitter or Facebook really helps our show spread and get more popular. I'd like to take a moment to thank the Benevolent Badger for his work on the music for our show, aside from this theme, Dating Start, from Undertale, composed by Toby Fox. I'd also like to thank Brandon for his work on the artwork. Now I'd like to play the promo for The Amazing World of Talkin' Shiz, the totally random podcast with hosts CJ and Maddox. In a world of utter randomness, one podcast stood up from the bunch, and it was The Amazing World of Talking Shiz. <coughs> Sorry, I had to clear my throat there. Um, yeah, it's just mainly randomness. And focus is, is definitely not being not focused on at all. No. <laughs> Uh, our podcast is definitely um, no theme at all. It's literally random and talk about literally everything and throwing in random jokes at any given time. We're on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Hey. So go ahead, tune in. New episodes weekly. And we're international. International. Very, yes. very well. So tune in. Follow hey. us on Twitter. See you there. Thanks again, everyone, for taking a listen. And I'll talk to you again soon. Bye. Back to the show. The boys are in a library now, looking through old newspapers on film, just like in the tale of Prom Queen. Mm-hmm. And then Jason stops on June 1st, 1942, saying, One-Eyed Jack, a convict doing time for robbing the first federal bank, escapes. Officials baffled as to how he eluded the top-level security. And he looks at Scott, who is looking at the paper, saying, August 29th, 1945, which Jason says, is the week the prison closed. And Scott starts reading the paper word for word, saying, as the state's maximum security prison shuts its doors forever, its perfect record has only one blemish. One-Eyed Jack, the only prisoner ever to escape, still remains at large. And Scott stops reading there, but the article continues saying, Elma Briggs, the daughter of One-Eyed Jack, demands access to the prison records. A prison spokesman calls her unbalanced. Which, I put that in my notes at this point because I figured that they were going to ignore that part completely. But Mm -hmm. Jason says that they never found him and then Scott's all, look at this! And he reads the part that I just read above. Jason says, looks like she lives at Linden Place. That's on the west side, right? And Scott's like, yeah, so? And Jason says, maybe we should, but they're interrupted by a noise behind them. Just like in Prom Queen. And Jason gets scared saying, it's him! And Scott yells, hey, where are you going? But Jason isn't going anywhere because he just stands up and he cowers behind the computer. Well, ghosts can't go through computers. Well, they fear technology, you see. They don't understand it. That's why he hid behind the computer back up in his room. Oh, wait. He yells for the ghost to leave them alone, but it just keeps walking towards them. And Scott's saying, I'm not afraid of you. And finally, a librarian rounds the corner saying, Well, you'd better be, because if you two don't keep it down, I'm going to throw your butts out of here. Fake out. The boys, they shake their head because they recognize this crazy gal. She's already been in the show. Do you know who it was? No. It's goddamn Aunt Dottie. Is it? Oh, man. Aunt Dottie slash the mom from Shiny Red Bicycle. Her name is Pauline Little. She's back. In an even smaller role. In the smallest role yet. <laughs> Just some woman who's for some reason wearing like a prison outfit dress. <laughs> yep. And she's yelling at these boys, telling them she's going to smack their butts or whatever. <laughs> The scene fades, and now we're outside again. The camera pans down to a sign that says Linden Place on it, and up the walkway walks Scott and Jason, and Jason's saying that he didn't wimp out, and he just knew when to retreat. Well, Jason angrily tells him to stop thinking, and he smacks him upside the head, and the two kids walk up to the door, and Scott's telling Jason to ring the bell, but Jason tells him to ring the bell, so Scott rings the bell, and the door opens up to an old lady who asks them what they want, and Scott tells her, just to talk, ma'am. And the lady asks about what? And Jason tells her about One-Eyed Jack and asks if he's her father, which they already know that, don't they? You'd think. The lady whips open the door and quickly stumbles out with two canes. And she's like yelling after the kids, yelling, why can't you let me live in peace? And where's the patch over your eye, boy? Don't you bring it with you like all the others? And she's shaking her cane right in Jason's face. And it goes up to his chest saying, don't you want a good laugh? And Scott's all, jeez, lady, chill. But that lady don't chill. She gets closer saying, get off my property. Don't come back. You hear me? Don't you ever come back. 
and she's shaking her cane at him for like a full five seconds before the scene changes. A lot of one-eyed Jack tourists, I guess. Well, it was the only blemish on that poor prison. It's not that interesting a story. There was a guy who went to prison. He escaped somehow. The end. And you know what? This whole part with, like, them talking to the the daughter. Who cares? Why are they doing this? I don't know. It doesn't help them at all. It says that he's still at large. I mean, maybe they think that she's, like, harboring him or something, but they already know he's a ghost. I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like... I don't know what they're going to get from her. Like, hey, uh, your dad's a ghost and he's, like, haunting us, so can you tell him to stop? <laughs> Just tell your dad to chill, please. <sighs> I need to sleep. <laughs> he keeps telling me to go back to the prison. <laughs> I don't want to. He keeps phasing in and breaking up our privacy. <laughs> he keeps drunkly wobbling into my room. <laughs> And telling me to please go back to jail. <laughs> it's annoying. Got school tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> now we're back outside the boys' house and it's dark again. Up in the room, Jason standing by the window saying, I sure wish mom was here. Where did mom go? <laughs> I don't know. It's a weird way to set up a scene. <laughs> I don't get it. Like, mom's not there. That's important for us to know. Scott walks into frame saying, why? So you could tell her how you wussed out? Jason's all, would you get off my back? And we see some first person shot outside headed towards the door again. Walking like it's drunk. <laughs> Dipping from side to side. <sighs> then it stops at, a do- at the door for a minute and then it just phases right through it. And back upstairs, Jason tells Scott that he's sick of taking his flack. And Scott's- Scott gets really close to his face saying, then why don't you do something about it, wuss boy? And back downstairs, the first person camera is making its way upstairs. Back in the room, Scott starts getting in Jason's face and... Side. Maybe I should punch him, but maybe I'll hurt myself. Maybe I should tell Mom, eh? But then again, I just... Stop. And Jason pushes him into the door of his room, telling him to get off his case. And this pisses Scott off, who says, I'm gonna hit you so hard your mama's gonna feel it. Then the ghost hand phases through the door, and it grabs Scott, and it pulls him straight through it, and Jason screams, Scott! And the camera looks down to see Scott was pulled right out of his shoes... Which are still on the ground. Yeah. That's a thing. I don't I don't get why, though. Jason picks one up, looks at it disgusted, and then he finally leaves the room. He runs out of the hallway calling for Scott with one of the shoes still in his hand. And he looks down the stairs calling for him. Then he finally drops the shoes. And he picks up a phone and starts dialing, I think, 911, but then stops and puts it down saying, No one's going to believe me. I got to do something. So he opens up a drawer that has a single flashlight in it, and he grabs it, turns it on, and then the scene fades. That was his flashlight drawer. Yeah. Don't you have a flashlight drawer? Nope. Sure don't. Where do you keep all your flashlights? I keep them in the flashlight cupboard, actually. Well, that's a silly place for flashlights. I know. This episode has changed my views on flashlights dramatically, I will have to say. So and for that, I give it a 10 out of 10. And it was definitely that scene that I just thought to myself, Jason is not the wimp that they want to portray because at every turn he's like, shut up, Scott. Yeah. Like, you're not going to hurt me and I'm going to push you into a door. He doesn't take much of Scott's shit. Like, he'll steal his money. Sure, he'll run afterwards. Like, he's not going to steal your money and then knock you out. But What do you think of the acting of these two brothers? Um, not, not super great. Yeah. I was I was pretty disappointed, I'm not going to lie, because, like I said, I seen the kid from Beethoven, and I was like, oh, this is going to be great. But it's not. It's not really great. It's just like Ryan Gosling all over again. <laughs> At least Ryan Gosling made stupid faces. <laughs> yeah. Um, their, their acting is kind of both a little over the top in this episode. True, true. And um, you know what, though? It is a Ron Oliver episode, so maybe that's how he wanted them to act. Maybe. I don't know. We'll never know. So now we're outside the prison, as we can see from the barbed wire that's behind Jason. And he walks up to the gate with his little flashlight and nothing else. And he walks up to a sign that says closed. So he tries the gate for a second, then walks away from it. He stops, looks around. Here's the door unlock behind him and the gate swings open. So he steps on through. This is another instance of ghosts can do whatever the fuck they want, isn't it? Mm-hmm. 
We cut inside. He's walking down some stairs, and he looks around. Then, in the next room, the camera is flipped over, and as Jason walks through the hallway, the view gets, like, readjusted. It was a decision. I don't know. You gotta add a little style to this episode. It has to have something, right? I guess. <laughs> it has to have something. All of these Dutch angles and weird camera choices really gives me the Sorcerer Apprentice vibe. Yeah, but that episode had goth. Oh, goth. I wish we had goth again. I wish most episodes had goth. Every episode could benefit from a little goth. Even if he just got obliterated by (laughs) the most basic. (laughs) Just anything. All it took was a little bit of science. Oh, is that a flashlight? No! (laughs) Okay, we got got to dial it back down to... (laughs) prisoners past here inside a cell is scott and he's sleeping on a bed and the camera pans up and into the ceiling and it was a kind of cool shot and jason walks into that one cell calling for scott and he shakes him awake and scott like awakens with a karate chop stance but jason's all scott it's me so scott adjusts and asks where they are and jason tells him that they're in the prison and that one-eyed jack brought him there Scott's all, what are we doing? Let's bolt. So they run up and are about to leave the cell when the doors close on them. And Jason's all, what do you want? We didn't do anything to you. And Scott calmly. They let him out. They let him out. Yeah. But this whole time and for like everything that happens to these kids, they're just very calm. Like these doors. Okay. Nobody knows that they're in this prison. These doors just locked on them. Like these kids could die in there. They could die. And Scott just calmly asks, why did he bring us here? And Jason's like, I don't know. Like, kids, no, you're going to (laughs) die. Nobody comes down here, as evident by the gigantic spider webs. Like, these kids are stupid. Scott's like, hold on a second. Uh, He brought me here. How did you get here? And Jason says that he came to rescue him. I guess I didn't do so hot. But Jason asks, He's like, you tried to save me? Why? And Jason says, he doesn't know, but maybe it was to prove that he wasn't a wimp. So Scott sees a rat on the ground and says, ugh. And Jason turns around and says, what? And Scott's like, I just saw the biggest, fattest rat I have ever seen. And Jason wants to know where it went. But Scott doesn't know. Some hole, maybe? And Jason's like, a hole? And he goes to check it out. It's behind that Rita Hayworth poster. <laughs> oh, God. The rat crawled through the bars of of the door. Like rats can move through bars. Like, I don't know. never mind. Whatever. <laughs> Over by the toilet, Jason starts checking out around the wall, and Scott asks what he's doing. And Jason says, "Well, this is the cell that One Eye Jack escaped from. How did he get out?" And Scott says, "A tunnel." And Jason says that he bets it's behind the toilet. So the two brothers pull the toilet away from the wall, and you find that some bricks piled up, hiding a tunnel. And Jason says, it looks like a ventilation shaft. And then they push the bricks into the tunnel. And Scott asks if he wants them to go first. Jason says, yeah. But Scott's all, nah, never mind. Get going. Okay. So, One-Eyed Jack escaped through this hole, pulled the toilet back, and then put the bricks back up? Don't ask questions. Okay, I'm sorry. Now the kids are crawling through this tunnel, and Jason says that they're losing headroom. And Scott asks if he's okay, and he says, yeah, and they keep crawling. There's some spider webs and stuff, and Jason accidentally drops the flashlight, and they crawl some more, and Scott picks it up. It's really boring. Like, I mean, it's interest. It's probably the most interesting part of the episode, but, like, nothing actually happens. It's just them crawling through a tunnel. Yeah. For, like, a minute. For, like, a full minute. And this is like the action scene of the episode. Yeah, this is what we've been waiting for. <laughs> this is the climax. It sure is. <laughs> they crawl some more, but then they stop. And Scott asks why they stopped, since he's he's freaking in here. And up with Jason, he says, there's something blocking the way. So, Scott crawls up next to him saying, hold on, I've got the flashlight. And he turns it on, and he shines it on a skeletal corpse with an eye patch on. Which is kind of cool. Yeah, I mean... It's a skeleton. The kids scream a whole bunch and they shake until they just finally fall through the tunnel onto a cardboard box. And then the skeleton is like launched after them. (laughs) (laughs) I loved that. That was my favorite part. Like the, the tunnel is like broken down 
and the kids tumble out gracefully and that skeleton is just like chucked out the opening <laughs> like it got shot out of a cannon at them <laughs> the boys are super grossed out about it they stand up they look around and then they hear the voice of one-eyed jack say 50 years i've been stuck in that shaft and scott calls out saying look pal why can't you just leave me and my brother alone and then from out of nowhere, One-Eyed Jack phases into existence saying, I did such a good job covering my tracks, everyone thought I escaped. Okay, so How I... did he die in there? I guess he did pull the toilet and layer the bricks. I don't know. Like, just move a little more. It's not he like it was He did all that stuck. work. He did all that work, like, making a hole and digging a tunnel, only to, like, crawl 20 feet and then just die? <laughs> Dude, I don't know. I thought the same thing. What the hell? It's not like he was crushed by a boulder or something. (laughs) He was just there dead. (laughs) Maybe he... Well, they said it was a ventilation shaft. Maybe he ran out of oxygen or something. I don't know. That makes no sense either. That's what a ventilation shaft is for. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Dude, I don't know. We look down at the corpse, and then it pans back up to the brothers who have, like, grimaces on their faces, and Jason and Jason asks if that was him, which obviously <laughs> it is. It's got a fucking eye patch on it. It's the best part of the episode. He's like, wait, that one-eyed skeleton is you? The one, the one from One-Eyed Jack's prison cell? It all adds up. Oh, man. What an idiot. Jack, who's kind of glowing now, says it wasn't a pretty way to go. No one heard him and no one even knew he was in there until now. And he says, sorry for putting them all through that. And we look over at the boys and Scott's all, ah, it's uh, it's no problem. We'll just go now. And he moves to leave. But Jack says, wait, would you do me a favor first? Would you tell my daughter what happened to me? She's paid a heavy price all these years not knowing. And the boys kind of look at each other and then they say, no. I don't think she's going to believe us. <laughs> Damn. It's just like, mm, no. <laughs> so Jack tells them to look in his pocket and they'll find something that'll help. He thanks the boys and then he fades away. I mean, the ghost can just travel to people's houses anyway. Why doesn't he just go to his daughter's house? Why didn't he go to? Well, yeah, right, right, right. So he got let out and he could just phase into her house and pull her through a door. <laughs> Yeah. Just be like, go back to prison. <laughs> and then his daughter's just in prison for all eternity. Yeah, because she ain't going to be able to pull and that And they toilet. can finally start, you know, having a little bonding time. Oh my god, as ghost people. The kids look around, and then they check out his pocket, and they pull out a perfect little picture of One-Eyed Jack and his daughter that is not, like, yellow or discolored or rotten at all. That fades, and now we're back with the old lady from before, with the picture in her hand, and Jason has got near her, and Tucker's voiceover says, After all those years, One-Eyed Jack's daughter finally found out what happened to her father, and she too felt some peace. And in the story, the old lady thanks the boys, and then walks inside her house, and the two boys walk away. It's very boring. She's just like, oh, okay, yep. thanks, bye. No bomb-ass tea or anything. Just get the hell out. Yep, she doesn't want to see him, and even though they thanks just- Thanks for the closure, go away. <laughs> Exactly. She's like, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Out of here. Walking down the path, Scott asks Jason what he wants to do now. And Jason says, well, we can go to the arcade and then get some lunch. Scott's like, sounds good. But Jason says, or we could get some lunch first and then go to the arcade. Sorry, no, arcade, then lunch. Or, you know, on the other hand, maybe we could just go to the arcade. But Scott grabs him, turns him around with a fist up in the air about to punch this kid in the face. And then he snaps his hand saying, here's the five bucks I owe ya. Just don't push it, alright? And he gives his brother a playful slap and walks away. And some rad music starts playing. The end. It's like at the end of Water Demons. Puts the money back. Then Tucker. It's all about stealing money and stuff and onks and... Stealing money, but then putting it back and karma is all good. Exactly. Okay, so that episode was boring. I didn't hate this episode. It's just so boring. Here's the episode. They go to the prison. They go home. They go to the old lady's house. They go home. They go to the prison. They go to the old lady's house. The end. Yep. I don't really have anything more to say about this episode. I think I've said it all, honestly. Yeah, that's 
that's the episode. Moral of the story, like... Uh... <laughs> hey, we still got the Midnight Society bits. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Go ahead, go ahead. Quit trying to rush perfection, Brandon. <laughs> Back at the Midnight Society, Tucker says, and Jason and Scott found that in spite of their differences, they really were brothers. Kiki says, cool. And Biddy Ann from the ground says, wow. And we cut over to Gary who says, how sweet. And the girls all stand up and Sam walks over to Gary saying, Saturday night, can't wait. Gary stands up saying, what is going on Saturday? And Sam looks at him confused. Then Tucker walks up to Gary and says, we got to talk. And he takes his brother over, leaving Sam wondering what the fuck's going on. And Gary's like, you must have a death wish. But Tucker says, listen, I didn't help you paint today because I got stuck in line for five hours waiting to buy tickets. And we see Stig in the background grab the bucket and walk over to Sam. And Gary asks, tickets to what? And Tucker pulls out two tickets saying, happy birthday. And Gary looks at him saying, Lava Palooza tickets? These were impossible to get. And Tucker says, I told Sam you wanted to take her. I knew you'd be too chicken too. And Gary, speechless, says, I, you, but Tucker, sometimes I want to wring your neck. But other times, I wonder what i do without you. Thanks. And... That that whole time, we watched Stig and Sam talking to each other, and finally, he dumps the water on the fire, and Tucker says, you're welcome, and Sam and Gary walk away together, and that's the end of the episode. All right. So, Tucker was only a little bit of an asshole, I guess. Yeah, he was just trying to play wingman for his brother. I really liked the Midnight Society part of this episode. I mean, I'm all for seeing the Gary and Samantha relationship continue yeah. on. That's cool. Finally. Yeah. Finally, a little bit of movement in that arena. We didn't see, like, anything in season four. In fact, there was that time when Gary was like, come on, Sam, get your story out. She's like, I'm trying to write a note to my grandma. And he says, no, I want stories. Fuck you, Sam. Also, Sam, you stole Kiki's sweater. <laughs> Nobody likes you, Sam. Everybody hates you, Sam. <laughs> God, Gary's the worst to her. <laughs> He's an abusive person, yes. <laughs> Maybe I don't like the Sam and Gary setup here. <laughs> nah, I just do. talked yourself um, out of it. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, moral of the story. Hmm. What happened to the story again? Uh, they went. They went on a field trip to prison, and then um, they went back. Always buy two for ten shirts. It's a good deal. It is a good deal. Yeah. Um, always check behind the toilet. If you find a dead body, always check their pockets. Hmm. If a ghost tells you to let him out of a prison cell, don't. Yeah, that's probably the good one. You know what? Don't trust ghosts. <laughs> and are you afraid of the dark classic? It's true in every scenario. Anytime there's a ghost, don't trust them. I guess that's good. Um, the tale of prisoners past, um... I actually kind of like the name of it. Um, it's pretty cool. I like the, the double P. But uh, I think we could probably come up with something better, maybe. Good luck. All right. Let me try here. <clears throat> the tale of step by step. <laughs> A tale of donut shirt. <laughs> donut shirt. The tale of the prison break fake out. The tale of the many fake outs. There's a lot in this episode, wasn't there? Yeah. The tale of the flashlight drawer. The tale of the yellow ghost arm. I have a confession to make, Brandon. Uh-oh. You love this episode? No. <laughs> Do you remember <laughs> okay. back in The Phone Police when you said that this is the only episode that there's going to be like a prison breakout in? Yeah. Okay. So, And I laughed at you saying, oh, just you wait. I was thinking of this episode because I had looked at the names of the episodes ahead of time and i knew in season five there was one called prisoners past and i assumed it was going to be a prison breakout episode and it wasn't a prison breakout episode so i apologize you know 26 weeks later okay good because i have been waiting for that episode after you said that well this is the one i thought and it didn't happen so i am so sorry okay no it was a failure to break out it was so i guess i'm almost right no i'm not right at all i'm sorry Brandon. no no, you're horrible. My bad. Uh, the tale of One-Eyed Jack would be fine, I think. I guess. Why is it always One-Eyed Jack? I don't know. To make him interesting? One-Eyed Bill. <laughs> One-Eyed Frank Scorpion. <laughs> oh, 
little frig scorpion. I think I want to have him on the show. <laughs> that would be cool. He's too famous for us, though. I know. He was in Pet Cemetery as Rachel's father. Like, seriously. Okay. The Rachel. You don't get that. We can't get that kind of talent on the show. Okay, okay. Let's tune it back here. Let's let's finish this up. <laughs> okay. Are you ready to find out what's next, Brandon? Oh, what is it? What is it? Season 5, Episode 7, The Tale of C7. Who do you think is going to tell this tale? The Tale of what? Of the letter C and the number 7. Like uh, in a vending machine. Like you're getting the Twix bar and it's C7. <laughs> okay. Um, This one's going to be a Stig again? Uh, okay, sure. And it's about... <laughs> C7? Yeah. What a dumb name for an episode. I don't know what it's about, but I think we can come up with a better name. <laughs> How about the tale of the gruesome granddad. <laughs> Are you even going to attempt to think of what this could be? Because I'm going to go with... I'm, I don't remember this episode at all, so I'm going to go with the vending machine thing. <laughs> An evil vending machine? It could happen. Yeah, I suppose it could. Like, it's only got, like, um, salt and vinegar potato chips in it or something. C7. Is that, like, bingo? Do they do that in bingo? No. <laughs> okay. Maybe they do it in Kingo. I don't know about Kingo. Nobody plays Kingo. It's all about bingo. All right. Uh, Yeah, it's, it's a vending machine. Sure. Let's go with that. Okay. I have a prediction that it's going to be a really shitty episode. <laughs> Just going to say that. With such a very awesome name. We'll find out next week, though. I can't yep. wait. Next week. Next week. On Are You Afraid of the Dark? But, but I'm, I'm tired. I'm going back to sleep. I've had enough of this episode. I've had enough of recording of this episode. Done. All right in the books alright I'll talk to you next week I've been up all night see you then going back to sleep bye everybody bye I'm going to throw your butts out of here